0: Hello, hello, you're listening to the No Fucks Given podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Knight, author of the No Fucks Given Guides, a series of self-help books for people like me who hate being told what to do. Just like the books, the podcast is fun, sweary, and full of tips and techniques for giving fewer, better fucks and living your best life. Let's get to it. Welcome back. We are officially past the one-month mark, and we are into episode five, Get Your Shit Together. Did you listen last week to the inaugural You Asked For It audio advice column? I answered questions about making your fuck budget, coping with should versus want, and not forcing your partner to give a fuck about things that are not important to them. It works both ways, folks. So check it out and send me your questions for next month. Today, we're back to basics. Early episodes of the No Fucks Given podcast were fittingly devoted to not giving a fuck. The next few are all about getting your shit together. Totally related concepts. I'll explain. In episode five, I'm going to talk about what it means to get your shit together. I'm going to help you figure out which chipmunk you are. Stay with me on that. And then I'm going to tell you all about my gist theory three tools to get and keep your shit together. Plus, I'm going to talk about one of my favorite things, goal setting, and a little method I came up with to help you do it. Finally, don't forget to listen to the end for your weekly NFG tip. And just a reminder, you can always visit nofucksgivenguides.com, that's plural, nofucksgivenguides.com, to get the show notes and download anything that I may mention on today's episode. You can also subscribe, so you'll get next week's episode as soon as it lands. And if you like what you hear, please rate and review. Okay, what does getting your shit together mean? If you have listened to any of the previous episodes of the podcast, you've heard me talk about mental decluttering. It's fabulous, it's easy, it's two steps, discarding and organizing. You decide what you don't give a fuck about, you stop giving a fuck about those things, you organize your life around what you have left. As such, if not giving a fuck is primarily concerned with the discarding half of mental decluttering, getting your shit together is primarily concerned with the organizing half of mental decluttering. And guys, I was born to help you organize, whether it's your mind or your closet, I'm your girl, trust me. And the great thing about mental decluttering is in the end, it's a solo mission. So I'm here to show you how to do it, to talk you through it, but then you can just take it from there, whenever you want, whenever you have time, Whenever the situation demands it, you can discard the fucks you no longer want to give and organize your time, energy, and money, your fuck budget around what you have left, what makes you happy, what serves you, the stuff you really want and need to do. You're the boss. You are the Tony Danza of your mind. Or the Judith Light. I don't actually know which one of them was the boss. But anyway, I wanna tell you one more thing, which is that get your shit together is not an admonition. It's a rallying cry, and I'm going to be honest with you. When I wrote the original proposal for my second book, Get Your Shit Together, which was the follow-up to the life-changing magic of not giving a fuck, my editor said it was a little bitchy. Um, And, you know, it's not the first time I've heard that in my life, and it won't be the last, but I wanted to make sure that Get Your Shit Together was a helpful, practical, and above all, fun and entertaining book for anybody. I didn't want anybody to feel talked down to. So I'm saying it right up front on episode five, get your shit together is a rallying cry. And furthermore, not having your shit together does not make you a bad person. It doesn't make you wrong. It doesn't make you incapable or unsuccessful at life. Well, no, actually, it might make you unsuccessful at life, but it doesn't make you a bad person. Not having your shit together is a natural state of affairs. It happens to everyone and it happens in different ways we all have what i call your oh shit moments right and these can be small and they can be big uh it's really what you do after that counts not having your shit together can manifest itself in situational issues like putting off a big project or a college term paper until the night before um, or, you know, maybe forgetting to pick up your kid at school. That's that's bad. I see how you could be, you know, kicking yourself for that. But it's a, it's a short-term situation that you can solve with pretty clear and specific actions such as getting your butt in the seat and writing the paper, doing the project, or getting your butt in the seat and going to pick up your kid at school. But you can also have oh shit moments as the result of a chronic condition. And that's something that happened to me. I tell the story in the introduction of Get Your Shit Together, and I'm gonna tell you an abbreviated version here. Many years ago, before I quit my corporate career and became a freelancer and moved from Brooklyn, New York to the Dominican Republic where I live today, Uh, I worked in a midtown, high-rise office building at a world-famous publishing company, and I was about 10 years into my career at that point, and I had had your usual spate of difficulties, stressors, you know, in addition to my job. I had my life. I had gotten engaged and planned a wedding and gotten married. I had bought my first apartment in New York, which is an absolutely insane process to go through. And all of the other things that happen to you uh, over the course of time that take, you know, that vital fuck budget resource, time, energy, and money, and spread you really thin. All of this is to say my problems are not unique. They're not special. uh, That is just the set of circumstances I was working with. And I didn't really understand why I was feeling so bad, but I had been feeling really bad for a few days and I couldn't put my finger on it, you know, it was a little bit nauseous, it was a little bit fuzzy, it was kind of exhausted, but there was nothing really specific that leapt out at me, Um, I didn't feel sick, I just felt bad. And one morning, it was a summer Friday. I know this because there was hardly anybody in the office to witness what happened to me later. Uh, but one morning I woke up and I said to my husband, I just don't feel good. I feel kind of ill. And he said, you know, maybe you're hungover. And I had a couple drinks the night before, but nothing that would have made me feel sick the next day. Um, so, you know, I, I got ready for work. I put on my heels. I got on the subway and I was feeling worse and worse. And several stops from my stop in Midtown Manhattan, I started feeling like I was going to hurl. And I did not want to do that on the subway. So I held it as, you know, as firmly as I could. And when I finally got to my stop, I raced off the train. I speed walked, sped walked uh, to my office building, went straight up, went right to the ladies room, dry heaved over the toilet. Nothing happened. I felt terrible. I was all clammy. Uh, and then I just went back to my office and closed my door and took a seat for a minute. Um, and then this process repeated itself a couple of times. I had to go back and forth to the ladies' room a couple of times. Still nothing happened, but I felt worse and worse each subsequent time. And I started thinking, oh, shit, am I pregnant? Um, if, you, if you know me, uh, I do not want to be pregnant. I don't have kids. I don't intend to have kids. That would be really... Not a great outcome for me if I was pregnant. Um, but realistically, I knew that I probably was not. Uh, another thing I thought was, I've been poisoned. And this is what anxiety and panic do to you. They take somebody with you know, a an Ivy League-educated brain and a lot of common sense, and they make her think that she's been poisoned because why else would she be feeling the way that she did that morning? And I'm just gonna speed up the story to let you know that I subsequently had, uh, a few minutes later, a full-on panic attack, the first one I'd ever had. I didn't know what was happening to me. I was blacking out. I had to ask a colleague to help me get down to the nurse's office and call my husband. I really thought, you know, maybe I was going to have a aneurysm or, you know, something absolutely vitally wrong with me was occurring and I didn't know what it was. And I'm telling you this story because it was the beginning of my oh shit moment that caused me to reevaluate my life and my goals and my future and I didn't really enact Any of that reevaluation for many, many more years. But this panic attack that I had at the office in full view of some of my colleagues uh, that really threw me for a loop was definitely my big oh shit moment. And I'm also telling you this story because in the parlance of my book, Get Your Shit Together – I am a Simon, and all of the things that I mentioned that I was going through, all the stressors that were happening in my life at the time that led up to this panic attack and this oh shit moment were the direct result of the type of chipmunk I am, and that's a Simon. So now I want to find out which chipmunk are you? (music) If you go to my website, nofucksgivenguides.com, in the downloads section or on the Get Your Shit Together book page, you will find a quiz called Which Chipmunk Are You? You don't have to take the quiz now, but you can take it at any time, and it is going to give you the result Alvin, Simon, or Theodore. Now, I hope, for the sake of this overarching metaphor, that you are familiar with Alvin and the Chipmunks. It was a very popular cartoon when I was growing up, you know, approximately 40 years ago, and it spawned a globally best-selling movie franchise that probably your own children are familiar with today. But you don't have to know who they are to get the idea here, which is that there are three personality types with regards to people who have to get their shit together and specifically in which ways their shit is currently lacking togetherness. First, you've got Theodore. He's the youngest of the Chipmunk brothers. He's very sweet. He's very agreeable, but he is a total fucking mess. He's always along for the ride. He is never in the driver's seat. And Theodores really don't even know where to begin. Theodores have never owned a calendar in their life. Theodores cannot find their keys. Theodores might leave the house with one shoe on and one shoe off. Theodores are a mess, but... They are able to be helped, and I will tell you how. And then we have the Alvins. The Alvins are kind of in the middle of the spectrum here. They talk a good game. uh, They can get some things done, but they're real slackers in other ways. You're never quite sure if you can trust an Alvin. It's not that they, you know, don't mean well. It's just that they kind of let balls drop, you know, more often and in more creative ways than they probably should. Alvin's have a much better grasp on the day-to-day shit than Theodore's do, but when it comes to big stuff, that's where they falter. They don't necessarily think ahead very well, and, you know, they're just a little too—they play a little too fast and loose with the rules. And then, finally, you've got the Simons. Simons are all the way at the end of the spectrum where they seem outwardly like they have their shit together. They're objectively industrious and successful, and their belts match their handbags. Uh, Their calendars are full to the brim, and they show up everywhere they're supposed to be on time and then some. It's really easy to spot the Theodores and Alvins of the world. You know, Theodores don't even know where the meeting is. Alvin's five minutes late to the meeting. Simon is running the meeting. But the thing about Simon's is that while they've perfected an illusion of having their shit together in the sort of common understanding of what that means, under the surface, they are inflicting death by a thousand cuts on themselves. And in that way, uh, I am a Simon. And just because you are doing a ton of shit all day, every day, does not mean that you have your shit together. It means that you are a high-functioning human to-do list, potentially on the verge of total mental and physical collapse. So what I'm saying here is that all the chipmunks have problems and I can help all of the chipmunks fix those problems. I'm also going to admit to you guys that I, while I am predominantly a Simon, I actually have a little Theodore rising because in the rare circumstance where I just can't figure something out for myself or I'm just too overwhelmed, I revert to full Theodore. I just want to hide under the bed until the bad man goes away. So again, you could pause in your listening and go to the website and get the quiz and take it, Uh, but you don't have to. I think you probably have a sense of which chipmunk you might be uh, by now, and I'm going to move on into what I call gist theory. That's G-Y-S-T, get your shit together, theory, and it's a very easy three-step method for getting anybody's shit together, whichever chipmunk you are, um, using three simple tools that you already have in your possession. What are those tools? They are your keys, phone, and wallet. So I'm gonna pause and let the Theodores figure out where they left their keys. I'm gonna let the Alvins go get their wallet out of the pair of pants they wore yesterday. And I'm gonna let the Simons blow off a little steam waiting for their brothers to get their shit together so they can listen to the next part of the podcast on GIST Theory. Okay, you guys ready? So the three simple tools, keys, phone, and wallet, correspond to three simple steps. Strategize, focus, commit. And when I was writing Get Your Shit Together, I really wanted to be able to explain clearly and simply the way in which I have spent my entire ever-loving Simon life getting shit done. I also wind up addressing in the book and will address in this podcast and several episodes of season one What happens when you do too much, you overcommit, uh, and you become a quivering mass uh, trying not to throw up your breakfast on the New York City subway? But generally speaking, the way that you are uh, successful in getting the things done that you want to do in your life and that you need to do in your life is a combination of strategize, focus, commit, keys, phone, wallet. Okay, so strategy is just another word for a plan. You got to make a plan. And in order to make a plan, you have to set a goal. I'm going to do a whole section on goal setting after this, so stay tuned. But to strategize, you need to make a plan, just a plan of attack. So set your goal and then make a bunch of steps toward your goal that are realistically achievable. So you might not, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. You might not get to the end of your goal in one fell swoop. But if you have a plan, then you can map it out and you can do a little bit at a time to get where you need to be. Strategize. The next step is to focus. And I'm gonna tell you right here, right now, there is no such thing as multitasking. Certainly no such thing as multitasking to a successful end. You just can't do two things at once. You have to be able to focus. And in order to focus, you have to set aside time to complete each step of your plan. So give yourself the time and space to do the shit that needs doing. Focus, whether it's 10 minutes, Half an hour, a whole weekend, a month, whatever is a realistic amount of time that you need to complete the steps of your plan, you have to be able to focus on those steps and nothing else. And the final component to gist theory is commit. This is when you put your money where your mouth is, literally or metaphorically. Uh, You have to do the things that you said you were gonna do that you set aside time to do. You have to do them. I can't help you if you are not willing to commit, but it's a pretty easy step, it's pretty obvious, Once you've strategized and made your plan, once you've focused by setting aside time in which to complete that plan, you have to commit. You have to do the plan. Now, at this point, you would be forgiven for wondering what the fuck does any of this have to do with my keys, phone, and wallet? She promised me an easy tool. She promised me I already had my keys, phone, and wallet on me, and now she's nattering on about gist theory and strategizing and focusing and committing, and I thought it was going to be easy. I have my keys and phone and wallet. What do I do with them? All you have to do is keep track of them. I know you can do this, even the Theodores. We're fixing this for you right now. But you don't leave your house without your keys, phone, and wallet because those are the things you need, the small, singular items that you need in order to accomplish pretty much everything else you would do in a day. You need your keys because you need to be able to lock your house or you need to be able to unlock it and let yourself back inside. You need your phone for all kinds of things. It's one simple tool that lets you do a lot of different things. You can order your lunch. You can buy concert tickets. You can make a doctor's appointment. You can check in with your mother. And obviously you need your wallet so that you can pay for your doctor's appointment, your concert tickets, or send your mother flowers because you haven't checked in with her in too long. And honestly, guys, this is adulting 101, okay? There's no excuse not to keep track of your keys. These are the keys to your house. You need to be able to keep track of them. The same with your phone. Frankly, unless you took a hot tub time machine back to 1980, you probably use your cellular device to handle pretty much everything in your life, from scheduling it to doing it. So don't lose your phone, okay? And finally, there's your wallet. And it doesn't include only your cash. It's got your driver's license, your ATM cards, your credit cards, maybe a condom. You don't want to lose that shit, all right? You're going to need your wallet and everything in it. So just keep track of your keys, phone, and wallet, and you're already on your way to strategizing, focusing, and committing, getting and keeping your shit together. Your key ring That's your plan, and every key on it is a step toward meeting your goal. Your phone, that's your ability to focus. It's basically your calendar. That's where you're going to plan out your time and lock it in. And your wallet symbolizes commitment. This is pretty obvious, but it's not just commitment in terms of cold, hard cash. It's committing on following through on your plan. So there you go. It's my gist theory. Get your shit together by keeping track of your keys, phone, and wallet. Those are your ability to strategize, focus, and commit. Now, all that said, and to be fair, there is one little step that comes before being able to strategize, focus, and commit to meeting your goal, and that's setting the goal in the first place. Sometimes you're setting a goal independent of anything else that has happened in your life. You just have something you want to do and you need to make a plan on how to do it. You need to set aside the time to focus on doing it and you need to commit to doing it. But sometimes you're going to be setting a goal in response to one of those oh shit moments that I talked about at the beginning of the podcast. Again, it could be a small moment like I forgot to pick up my kid at school. Maybe it's the second or third time you've done that in the last couple of months So your oh shit moment is going to lead to setting yourself a goal to not forget to pick up your kid at school. And maybe that means not scheduling meetings too close to the end of the day so that they can't possibly run over. Maybe that means setting, you know, a good old fashioned alarm on your Apple Watch or however you tell time to make sure that you you know, when you're not paying attention to what time it is, you're gonna get an extra robotic reminder. Um, maybe, maybe the way that you're gonna meet that goal is by arranging for somebody else to pick up your kid at school if you just can't get it done. And I just want to take a self-aware moment here uh, to realize that I have given an entire example about picking up your kid at school, and we're in the middle of a global pandemic, and maybe your kid is not going to school. And I know that that uh, is a real problem for parents these days. So sorry about that example. It might not be the most timely one, but I still think you know what I'm getting at. And once again, I've gotten ahead of myself because as I mentioned on one of the earlier episodes of the No Fucks Given podcast, one thing that happened when I was writing the book Get Your Shit Together was I had developed this whole gist theory about accomplishing your goals. And my editor said, hold up, hold up, how do you set a goal? And I was like, what do you mean, how do you set a goal? Is that a weird rhetorical question? Or are you just going all editor-y in my margins? Like, what's that all about? And he was like, Sarah, I think what you might not understand is that some people don't even know how to set the goal. So I developed yet another method. It's only two steps. It's called the What Why Method for Goal Setting. Even if you are a Theodore who gets easily overwhelmed, or if you're an Alvin who gets easily distracted, or if you're a Simon who has so much going on and is so overcommitted that you can't even think for yourself for a few moments, the what-why method should help you bring everything into clarity and focus. You ask yourself two questions. What's wrong with my life? Why? And the answer should get you to your goal. So, for example, if the answer to what's wrong with my life is I'm broke, then the answer to the question why is going to be specific to you. Are you broke because you're spending more money than you make and you really don't need to be, like the spending is the problem? Are you broke because you don't earn enough money to cover your expenses? Are you broke because you just lost a big bet? Whatever the case may be, you can identify your goal by asking yourself, what's wrong with my life? Why? And the solution to what's wrong with your life and why is your goal. Another example might be What's wrong with my life? I'm way behind at work. Why? You have to be honest. Are you way behind at work because you spend too much time dicking around online instead of working? Are you way behind at work because you let people stand in your office doorway and gossip when you should be working? Are you way behind at work because you agreed to terms on a project that were too ambitious and now you're drowning in your own, you know, poor decision making from last week? In which cases, your goal might be stop spending so much time online or leave your door closed for two hours in the middle of the day so people can't come in and talk to you. Or, you know, maybe your goal is as simple as learn from your mistakes and next time pad your due date a little bit for whatever projects you're agreeing to. My point here is that goal setting is not rocket science. It's very simple, and it's also very personal and tailored toward you. Remember what I said, you are the Tony Danza of your mind. You're the boss. The mental decluttering is on you, the discarding of things that you don't need to do, want to do, that don't serve you, and the organizing of your life around the things that do. And some of those things are going to be parenting or work-related. You know, they're gonna have a lot more uh, meaningful consequences for your life. But sometimes the what-why method is going to reveal much smaller and easy goals to set and achieve. Like, for example, what's wrong with my life? Uh, The giant box from the TV that I bought six months ago is still sitting in the living room of my 400-square-foot apartment, and I'm tripping over it every day. Why? Because I haven't gotten my shit together and taken it to the fucking street. So the goal is take the box to the fucking street. That was easy. And look, guys, I know that might sound a little bit facile or silly, but I have honestly been surprised over my last uh, half decade of guruing at how many people just can't identify the goal. They just haven't thought about what it means to set a goal. And you obviously can't Go about achieving it until you've set it. And also, uh, I've realized that there are just so many Alvins and Theodores out there in the world for whom this idea of being able to set a goal is kind of a new concept. As a Simon... I was setting goals all over the place. The problem was I was setting too many of them, and I wasn't giving myself that focus, that time and space that I needed to achieve those goals necessarily. but I was I was fitting them in anyway and driving myself into a you know into a panicky uh, mess of my own design. So again, just theory, strategize, focus, and commit. Keep track of those keys, phones, and wallets works for all the chipmunks in all kinds of ways, for goals big and goals small. So I encourage you, if you are faced with the prospect of needing to set a goal, to ask yourself, what's wrong with my life? And then ask yourself, why? And the answer will lead you to that goal. And your keys, phone, and wallet will help you accomplish it. Oh, and to that end, last week's episode, the NFG tip of the week was small manageable chunks and that ties in with today's get your shit together advice and the next few episodes that are focused on getting and keeping your shit together. But I'm very big on that strategizing on setting a goal and making a plan and just breaking it up into little steps so that you're doing one little step at a time. Not only does that make it easier to accomplish your goal, but by following through on one little step it gives you this great sense of ownership over that march toward achieving your goal, it's actually motivating in and of itself. So don't make things so difficult for yourself, you know focus, break up your schedule so that you have a little bit to do in a prescribed period of time that you already set aside. And when you do it, you're going to feel so good about yourself that you're going to be motivated to do the next thing, to take the next step toward your goal. So Small Manageable Chunks was last week's NFG Tip of the Week, and stay tuned, in a few minutes I am going to give you a new Tip of the Week for Episode 5. But before I get there, I just want to remind you that I do this segment once a month called You Asked for It. It's an audio advice column, and I take listener questions and I answer as many as I can get to in a reasonable amount of time for a single podcast. Uh, The first one aired on February 16th, and I think it was a success. I've gotten a lot of questions already from listeners, so I'm really excited to do a new one next month. And if you want your question to be on air, you can email me. The address is podcast at nofucksgivenguides.com or you can go to my website at nofucksgivenguides.com and go to the podcast page and there's a form that you can fill in. All of these questions and answers will be anonymous. I'm not going to read your name on air and I might even change any details that I think are perhaps too identifying just in case... You know, if you've been spreading the word about this fun podcast you're listening to, uh, I would not want your friends and family to necessarily be able to identify you as the asker of the question in the next You Asked For It episode. But it airs once a month. So definitely send me your questions and then tune in to the podcast to see if I answer them. The best way for you to not miss that potential answer is to subscribe to the podcast. You just click the subscribe button on whatever service you use, and then the new episode appears magically on your device as soon as it lands, which is every Tuesday in 2021, and then you don't have to worry. It'll always be there for you, and you can listen to the next You Asked For It audio advice column and see if I answer your question. Now, one more thing before I get to the NFG tip of the week is I always like to recap the episode for everyone. So today we talked about what it means to get your shit together. I let you know that it is not an admonition. It is a rallying cry. Getting your shit together is going to look slightly different for different kinds of people, and the way that you can figure out exactly uh, how your shit is on struggle mode is by taking the Which Chipmunk Are You? quiz from my website. It's on the Get Your Shit Together book page, and it's also on the downloads page, and that'll give you a little bit of a look into whether you're an Alvin, a Simon, or a Theodore, and what aspects of your life you might need the most help getting your shit together in. Again, getting your shit together is all about having stopped giving a fuck, spending your time, energy, and money on the things that you don't want to do, that don't make you happy, or that don't serve you, and organizing those resources around what you have left. So it's all about seizing the day, setting your own goals, following through on them, and basically improving your life to the point where most of what you're doing is because it makes you happy or, you know, because you have to do it. You have to write that presentation. You have to pick up your kid at school. You have to get that cardboard box out of your living room. Um, But in any case, gist theory will help you do it. Strategize, focus, commit, use those keys, phone, and wallet to help you visualize what your plan is, how you're going to give yourself the time and space to do it, and then, you know, get off your ass and do it. And last but not least, we talked about where it all begins, which is setting a goal. And I gave you the what-why method for setting goals, which you can also find on my website. And this week's NFG tip is related to motivation in the same way that the what-why method asks you to ask yourself honestly what's wrong with your life and why, and hopefully that answer motivates you to want to change it, aka set a goal. This week's NFG tip is to harness the power of negative thinking. And the power of negative thinking is one of my favorite tips, because it's not only really practical, uh, but it's also very me. And if you're listening to the No Fucks Given podcast, then you and I are probably on the same wavelength. And one of the reasons that they call me an anti-guru is because I come at self-help from a slightly different perspective than some of the other leaders in the space. And it's not to say that it's a better perspective, it's just different and it's what works for me. And it all ties into what I talked about in episode two, I believe, of the No Fucks Given podcast, which was about joy versus annoy. You know, there are people out there who really believe in Aspirational thinking. They believe in manifesting success and the achievement of your goals through positive thinking and kind of fantasizing about a future in which, you know, for example, you are richer or thinner or tidier than you are now. And just by the way, I'm not passing judgment on any of those particular values, but. They're pretty standard examples of the kind of problems that self-help gurus are often helping people address, you know, making more money, losing weight, or decluttering your house. Those are three biggies. And for me, the motivation does not come with sort of daydreaming and fantasizing about that better outcome. The real motivation for me comes in looking in the real or metaphorical mirror and focusing on how broke, fat, and messy I am right now and internalizing how bad that feels, and that's what makes me want to change it. That's the power of negative thinking. So the way I like to think about it is that it turns out that goal setting doesn't have to be about aspiring to something you want to be. It can also be about putting an end to something you don't want to be. And if that little mindset shift helps any of you uh, with your motivation levels, then, you know, I call it a win. So however you want to get there, however works for you, and whichever steps you need, depending on which chipmunk you are, to get your shit together Feel free to take them, you know, whatever works. But personally, for me, the power of negative thinking has helped me make much bigger and smaller everyday changes in my life than any kind of positive thinking ever did. And that is it for episode five, Get Your Shit Together. Fortunately for you, I have a whole lot more to say on the topic of getting and keeping your shit together, so I am going to stay on and beat this drum for another couple of episodes in season one of the No Fucks Given podcast. Next week, there will be much more, including one of my all-time favorite tips. I keep saying this, but actually, Personal policies that I already talked about in episode two are a big one, but the must-do list that I'm going to talk about next week is probably the thing that I get the most fan mail about. So I'm really excited to share that with you next week. Um, And until then, thank you so much. I really appreciate every single person who's tuning in everybody who is posting about it online who's sharing with their friends especially those of you who have taken the trouble to subscribe and also to rate and review the podcast it's really helpful for discovery so that more people can find out the life-changing magic of not giving a fuck getting your shit together and more to come calming the fuck down saying fuck no we're setting boundaries we're improving your mental health Um, we are getting you in and out of relationships. It's all happening here on season one of the no fucks given podcast. So thanks so much. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review. And until next week, I'm Sarah Knight. No fucks given. Not sorry.